0: as much as it's important for the word of God to go out to God's people, just as important is an opportunity to fellowship where we can come together one with another and we can't do that as we once did because of what we're dealing with. And so there's chaos. There's chaos on every side. There's challenges that exist and these are just a few of them. But I bring you good news this morning. There is good news. I come to encourage you that you ought to understand and I ought to understand that the God we serve has a word of good news for us. As we look at this passage of Scripture, we see eight verses. We see eight verses, eight short verses that says a whole lot about encouragement, that says about what, as children of God, where we are and how we are and what we ought to understand about the God that we serve. And so in those eight verses, I wanna bring out four points that I'm praying that will be a blessing to you as it has been to me. The first thing we have to understand as we look at this Psalm is that the Psalm is based upon the children of Israel and them going up to Jerusalem. And they went to Jerusalem for one basic reason And that is the temple was there. And the temple was there. And so the thought is that the temple was there. That's where we're going to go to meet God. And so they would make a pilgrimage to go to Jerusalem to meet God. And everything that transpires in these eight verses is based upon that perspective. But the first thing I want you to understand about this psalm that will be a blessing to you is that His creation is before me. His creation is before me. The psalmist starts off in the first verse by saying, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. And facetiously, he asks, where does my help come from? From whence comes my help? He answers it in verse two. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. For all of us, that has to be the starting point. The starting point has to be an understanding and an appreciation for the creator of the universe. If you are a child of God, don't go around thinking that we just happen to come about, that things just happen to come in existence. We have to recognize the one who made us. As much as the psalmist talks about he looked at the hills, he says, my help don't come from the hills. My help comes from the one who made the hills, the one who made heaven and earth. That is the one who makes the difference. And if we don't understand that perspective individually, then we can never go anywhere and we will always be challenged. We will always be struggling. But the first part of understanding it is understanding that he is the God of creation. And as the God of creation, everything and everybody comes under him. This psalmist understood that and that's why he could say, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills because my help comes from the Lord because he is the one who made heaven and earth. Now, before we go any further, I need to point out something to you that is really important. In the first two verses, the psalmist is speaking in the first person, and that's why he says, I. He says, I. Starting in verse 3, and for the rest of the psalm, he switches tenses, and he speaks in the second person, and he says, you and your from there on. Why is there a difference? Well, there's a difference because before we can speak to other people about the goodness of God, we need to know for ourselves the God we serve. We need to understand experientially the God we serve. We need to know that he is the God of heaven and earth. And if we don't understand that in our spirit, we can't tell nobody else about God. As much as we might might want to. You see, many of us struggle with evangelizing. And we struggle because we feel like we don't know what to say. All we have to say is what God has done for us. Essentially, evangelism is telling them about the good news of the Lord. And in our life, if we know that experience, that's what we can share. We don't have to to make it any more than that. We just got to tell them what we know from our experience. It reminds me of the story in the Gospel of John in chapter 9, where Jesus and his disciples came across a beggar, and the man was blind. He had been blind from birth. His disciples said, Rabbi, who sinned that this man was born blind, him or his parents? And Jesus told him, neither him nor his parents sinned, but this man was born blind for the glory of God. The story goes on where the man meets Jesus, and Jesus takes takes some clay and puts it on his eyes and tells him to go wash in the pool. And the moment he did, he gained his sight. Well, this man had been born blind, and he had been blind from birth. So when people that had known him saw him, they had a question. They wondered, was it him? Is this the man that had been born blind, or was it somebody else? Some of them said it was him. Some of them said it was somebody else like him. The religious leaders were a little bit taken aback because Jesus had done this on the Sabbath, and so they called him a sinner. And so they approached this man's parents, and they asked them, what about this guy? Well, the parents were a little bit scared, and so they said, we don't know what happened, but we do know that he was born blind, and this is our son. But at the end of the day, he's of age. Ask him. They go to ask him what happened. Is he a sinner? And the man said, I don't know whether he's a sinner or not. I can't tell you that. The only thing I can tell you is, I once was blind, but now I see. That was his story. And that's what our story has to be. Our story has to be what the Lord has done for us. And if we can tell that story, then we can move forward in evangelizing to the lost. So he says, starting in verse 3 and verse 4. He says, his eyes are on me. His eyes are on me. He says in verse 4, behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. Now what I want you to do, before you do anything else, where you see the word Israel, put your name there. Put your name where you see Israel. Because in order to make it personal, you got to see yourself in this psalm. In order for you to be encouraged, you got to see what this psalmist saw. So put your name where it says Israel. He says he neither slumbers nor sleeps. He doesn't get tired and he doesn't fall asleep on the job. Now why is that good news? That is very good news. That's very good news because because he doesn't fall asleep, you can fall asleep. See, many of us are tossing and turning, if the truth be told, staying late up at night, worrying about what we see, worrying about what's being said, worrying about stuff all around us that essentially that we don't have any control over. But God says, "Don't you worry because my eyes are on you. I got you. I got you. You can sleep because I don't sleep. I don't get tired. No matter what is being told you, no matter what you're seeing, no matter how you feel about it, I'm still running things and I got you because you are mine." He says in verse 3, "I will not allow your foot to be moved." That means I'm not going to let you slip. If you put your trust in me, I am your foundation. That's why we say the old song, On Christ the Solid Rock I Stand, okay? Because he's saying, if you have your foot on me, if I am your foundation, I ain't going to let you move. I ain't going to let you fall. You might stumble, but you ain't going to fall. This was understood by the psalmist at this time because they were on a pilgrimage. And if any of you ever did any kind of rock climbing, you know how important it is that your foot is steady. So they understood how essential that this journey would be as far as keeping your feet steady, keeping sure that you are on solid ground. So he goes from his creation is before me, his eyes are on me, to Numbers, verse 5, his presence is beside me. His presence is beside me. Verse 5, he says, The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your keeper. Now, what's important is to know who is not your keeper. We ought to understand that our boss is not our keeper, okay? He, he or she has a role to play, and we ought to respect them, we ought to honor them, we ought to adhere to them. We ought to serve them as if we're serving Christ, but we also ought to understand that they ain't our keeper. I don't care what they say. I don't care what you do. I don't care how long you had the job. I don't care how bad you need the job. That boss is not your keeper. The Lord is your keeper. The doctor is not your keeper. I don't care what your condition is. I don't care how long you've been dealing with it. Well, we know from COVID-19, more than any time in history, we see more doctors who are well-trained, who are well-educated, who have been doing it for a long time, that are sitting there scratching their head because they don't know how to deal with it. Because they're not your keeper. They're not your keeper. It's not even your friends that are keep telling you on social media how much they like what you post. They're not your friends. They're, not, they're your friends, but they're not your keeper. They're not your keeper. The Lord is your keeper. And if we don't get that, if we don't understand that, if we don't embrace the fact that the Lord is our keeper, we keep going through stuff, struggling, and and keep getting challenged on every side and being confused because we don't know who our keeper is. The Lord is our keeper. He says, he's your shade at your right hand. And the sun, in verse 6, shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. He's saying, I'm walking with you every step of the way. Every step you take, I got you. He says, I'm not only in charge and sitting on the throne, I'm walking with you as you navigate all of the activities of life. See, as these Israelites would have understood as they journeyed to Jerusalem, in this part of the world, you're living in desert conditions. And in the desert, if any of you ever spent any time in desert-like conditions, you understand that the sun can be awfully, awfully overpowering during the day. It can get extremely hot during the day. But equally as challenging is at nighttime when the sun goes down and it gets ultra, ultra cold. So you're going on these extremes from hot to cold and something is very easy to get you that that would be able to take you out. Guy says, I got you. In the sun, and I got you in the moon. I got you in the day, and I got you in the night. I got you all the time because I'm walking with you. That's why I'm a shadow over your right hand. I'm covering you when you don't even know I'm covering you. And so he goes and he says, his care is keeping me. In verse 7, he says, his care is keeping me. Now, in verses 7 and 8, I want you to notice a couple, one thing. Three times he uses the word preserve. Verse 7, the Lord shall preserve you. He shall preserve your soul. Verse 8, the Lord shall preserve your going out and come in. Three times he uses the word preserve. So what does the word preserve mean? It, It means to keep. It means to keep. Now, what I want you to understand is it doesn't mean to keep you from experiencing. It means to keep you while you're experiencing it. You see, a lot of times, immature Christians think that bad things are not going to happen to you. A lot of immature Christians think that because I accepted Christ, my life should be a, 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 a box of cherries. And that's, in, that's immaturity. That's immaturity. Because the Bible clearly teaches that in 1 Peter 4 and 12, it says don't, be, don't think it's strange when you come through fiery trials as if something strange happened. Because yeah. that's, not, that's not the way it is. So if, if somebody has been telling you that you accept Christ and it's all going to be great and, and that you'll never have an issue, they're lying to you because that's not the way it works. Right. But maturity says when I am going through the trials... He is keeping me. He is keeping me. So he says in verse 7, the Lord shall preserve you from all evil. It doesn't mean that you're not going to experience any evil. It just means the evil is not going to overpower you. The evil is not going to overtake you. He is going to keep us, and he is going to keep keeping us as we go through whatever it is that we go through. Now, one of the things that I love about God is that he can turn evil into good. He has the ability to turn evil into good. Because we go through a lot of stuff. We go through the good, the bad, and what I would call the ugly. The good is stuff that you like that happens to us all the time that is just a part of being who we are. The bad is stuff that we do and we get our just desserts for. But the ugly... It's stuff that's usually out of our of control. We didn't do anything. We didn't cause it. We didn't make it happen. But it's not good, but it happened anyway to us. And God has the ability to turn that ugly, what, what the Bible would call evil, into good. Paul says it like this in Romans 8 and 28. He says, we know that all things work together for good, for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. He says, we know that God can take what is bad and make it good. We know that God can take what is evil and make it good. We all know the story of Joseph. Joseph was born, and he was immature, and so he would parade around his coat that his father gave him to his brothers because he was immature, and his father liked him a little bit more than everybody else, and so his father had looked favorable on him. But what happened with Joseph was his brothers got tired of him. We know the story. Joseph gets sold into slavery by his brothers, and his brothers have experiences that take them back and forth as Joseph does. But each step that Joseph takes is a realization of the goodness of God. And so what Joseph experienced was getting thrown into slavery, getting thrown into jail, and then getting elevated to a position that he could do something. When his brothers come back on the scene and they meet him, they're a little concerned. But their father is alive. And so while their father was alive, they weren't quite as concerned because they thought their father was protecting them. When their father died, they had a meeting with Joseph. And at the meeting... They begged for mercy. They begged for mercy. And the reason they begged for mercy because they thought Joseph was going to get them now because their father is gone. And Joseph said something very, very startling to him. He said, what you meant for evil, God meant for good because God can turn that evil into good. Joseph had the perspective of his care is keeping me. So despite what I went through, despite how it affected me, despite what your intentions were, God is able to turn it into good. He said, he will preserve me from all evil. He's going to keep me from all evil. He also is going to preserve my soul. And then he finishes it with, he is going to preserve your going out and your coming in. That means all activities of life. Everything that we do, even the little things that we take for granted, God has a watchful eye over on us. And so because he has a watchful eye over us on the little things of life, we don't have to worry about it. But rest assured, he has, he has keeping us and he has, a, he has his care on us. He's watching us even when we don't know it. And he says, from this time forth, even forevermore. From this time forth, even forevermore. Now, I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you've done. I don't know where you come from. But if you're hearing me right now, if you're under the sound of my voice and can hear me, God has kept you even up until right now. He's kept you even up until right now. I don't care how bad it has been. I don't care what you had to go through to get to what we call right now. But if, you're, if you have a right now moment, you ought to be thanking God. Because <laughs> he has kept you even up until right now. No matter what has occurred, no matter what has happened, no matter what challenges you face no matter how rough it has been to get to right now, you are at right now. The Bible is telling us he is going to keep us from this time forth, even forevermore. So his watchful care is over us as we navigate life from wherever we are to whenever he wants to call us home and beyond until forevermore. He's going to keep us. He is going to sustain us His watchful care is over us, and that ought to encourage you. Now, I know some are saying, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know how tough it's been. You don't know how many challenges I'm facing. You don't know what my world looks like. And you would be absolutely right. I don't know. I don't know. But there's two things I do want to point out to you. One is I know somebody who does know, and more importantly, I know somebody who can do something about it. So regardless of what your situation is, and no matter what you're going through, we need to continue to look to the hills from which comes our help, because not only does he already know, but he is, has the ability to do something about whatever it is you're going through. And so you ought to be encouraged in this moment because of the one we serve. One of the things that's interesting is that whatever it is that you're going through, however challenging it may be, it's always toughest to understand how we ought to be encouraged when we're going through it. When we are in the middle of the storm, it is the worst time to see that the sun is still shining because all we see is a storm. The circumstances of life are like that. Is the more we see what's going on, the more we don't see the fact that we're being kept and being sustained. Many of us that live in this area understand what it was like in the last week to experience what got downgraded to a tropical storm called Isaisis. And and that storm started off as a hurricane. Many of you, if you watched the weather, you saw how it started off as a hurricane. And if you know anything about weather and, and hurricanes, hurricanes are rated on scales. And it's based upon how big the hurricane is and the wind speeds. And so the more, the more, uh, wind speed there is, the bigger the hurricane is, the greater the scale is of, of the size of the hurricane and, consequently, how much damage the hurricane can do. Yes. Yeah. Well, this hurricane that was projected to hit Florida got steered up a little bit and got downgraded from, a, from a Hurricane 1, which is the smallest level hurricane, downgraded to a tropical storm which still has some serious weather with it but it's not the power of a hurricane and as it continued up the mid-atlantic states and up into the northeast we know there was some damage done in maryland virginia delaware new jersey new york and connecticut because this storm even though it was downgraded to a tropical storm, it still had some presence. But what's important about the storm was, anytime you have a hurricane or a tropical storm, what can occur are tornadoes. Because of all of the energy that's created by the storm, and a natural offshoot is that these these hurricanes or these tropical storms, they spawn tornadoes. And ain't life just like that. The moment you're in a storm, and you think that things are gonna get better, just the moment you think it's gonna get better, another little storm comes and attacks you. And so we know that it happens, and it happened here in this case. But what's important is, even as these tornadoes hit Delaware and they hit Pennsylvania, and they did damage. They did damage in some places. But many of us know what it was like to be able to be close enough to see the damage, but God still kept us from experiencing it, because he is the keeper of our soul. We know what it's like for him to keep us despite the storm that we're going through. So if you're going through some kind of storm, if you're going through some kind of challenge, I want to encourage you to look to the hills, knowing that that's where your help comes from, knowing that he is your keeper, knowing that he is a sustainer of all things. Just like the psalmist said, my brother said this morning, the psalmist put it best in Psalm 30. He says, weep and may come. Main door for a night, but joy does come in the morning. And if you were around during this tropical storm, you experienced it, but what you also experienced is when the storm passed, the sun came out. The sun came out. There is there is some light at the end of the tunnel. The issue that you and I have to focus on and be concerned about with is who you're gonna believe. Who you gonna believe. Understanding that as we're going through whatever it is we're going through right now, socially, politically, economically, physically, spiritually, as we're going through the struggles of life, as we're dealing with the consequences of our actions as a people, the question on the floor is who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe the guide that we serve, or are you going to believe what you hear other places? If, if, you're, if you are going to put your trust in your belief in the news, in social media, and what other people are saying, and what others are feeling, then guess what? You're going to stay lost. You're going to stay lost. You're going to stay discouraged. You're going to stay uh, depressed. You're going to stay anxious. And you're going to stay lost. But if you understand the guy that we serve, if you understand that he has a watchful eye on you, if you understand that he is keeping you despite what you're going through, if you understand that he never slumbers and never sleeps, then you are on the road to understanding that this guy that we serve can turn everything around. Everything around. But but you got to be encouraged. You got to be encouraged. You got to be encouraged that despite how I feel, despite what I think, despite what I've been taught, despite what others are saying, that's not going to be my focus. My focus is going to be, I'm lifting up my eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help, knowing that my help comes from the Lord. Let us pray. Father God, we just thank you for this opportunity to just be under you, Lord. We thank you for this privilege to just be under your word one more time, Lord. We thank you for all you are and all that you do. We thank you for the reality of that you are our keeper, that you are our sustainer, Lord, that you watch over us even when we sleep because you don't sleep, Lord. And we praise you for that, Lord. We praise you for all that you are and all that you do. Lord, we pray, Lord, that someone may be encouraged today, Lord. Someone may be uplifted. Someone may just have a closer walk with you just because just because you are, Lord. We thank you and we praise you and we magnify your holy name. In Jesus' name we agree and say amen.